Hello, beautiful, beautiful, beautiful souls. This is the podcast and video series, It's Time to Remember. This complete transparent conversation, two souls meeting each other and going deeply into whatever conversation the energy opens for us. Today, I am very excited that Danish Kirsten Stenevel is with us today as the guest. And Kirsten is a woman I have known might not be the right word actually, but I have, I have known who is for quite some years. I feel actually since the very beginning of my personal development journey began. So way back when I was in the bank industry, the the financial industry, sitting there as a banker, and I crashed with stress. And I started looking at myself in these little pieces, being like, oh, is this really me? Oh, is that really my life vision? And you actually arrived completely in my field. And from that moment, I always had this... this, um, I had this feeling of my heart making a magnetic frequency with yours. I could just feel that pull, that that um, that I just resonated deeply, both with your looks and your energies and your shares and the way you share them. And for me, that was very extraordinary because I came directly from corporate life all people wearing a suit. No woman was feminine in that financial world at that time. And and ever since I have been meeting you afterwards, whether it has been to Kundalini or seeing your speeches or, you know, wherever it is, we've actually met each other. I'm not fully sure. I've just always felt I've met such a deep, presence of love and alignment and authenticity which I acknowledge as being quite unique to meet again and again in this busy world where we can so easily be a little off that day and so on so on uh, up until this point of time but it's like the days that I have met you even if you have felt off, that off has just been owned in the room. So it's not off at all, it's aligned. So beautiful angel, thank you so much for the honor of gifting us your time and your presence and your sacred energy of coming into this podcast and video today and sharing whatever may come through. Thank you so much. Well, I'm the one thanking you, Sarah. It's such an honor. And uh, I am a big admirer of your journey and your work. I've really seen your evolution, and it's very impressive uh, how you have evolved very fast. Uh, You have gone through a big metamorphosis and keep doing it. And uh, I just really, really appreciate your integrity and authenticity and uh, you shining as a role model in the world. So it's a very big honor for me and great to have this time with you. No, it's a it's a blessing to meet sister to sister and have the have, have the possibility of 
of a heart-to-heart -heart talk uh, and share that with other sisters. So I'm very honored and I'm very honored for the people who are listening because uh, I know their time and, and, and energy is also very precious in this busy world. So, so thank you so much for tuning in and I uh, really hope that uh, it will be worthwhile mm. to, uh, to listen to this. Yeah, you can come away with something that you can use directly in your life. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Amazing. <sighs> so do you feel like just giving people a little share about if they have seen you before, where have they seen you? What are you working with? And, and who are you? Would that be okay? <laughs> well, it depends on uh, where you are from, because if you are from the Nordic countries, you might know me from my earlier concepts, which I've actually been in, I've been working with uh, the future and, uh, and uh, uh, new the new paradigm for many years starting in New York where I reported about uh, the, the, the new paradigm thinking. That's many years ago. I lived in New York and, and worked for Scandinavian media as a US correspondent and wrote about, you know, where are we heading as a society? How can we get there? How can women take a different role in society and so on? So some people in the Nordic countries might know me from, all, you know, all the way back then. Then when I came back to uh, Copenhagen, I started writing books. So some people might know me from my early books, which is, was about, you know, how we can use networks and, and, and help each other more. Uh, my, another book that I just told you about is, uh, was my first solo book called Motherhood as a Career Booster. It's only available in Scandinavian languages so far. Then I wrote one for dads called uh, Fatherhood is the Best Leadership Training Camp You Can Get, and it's free. And then... Uh, then I wrote a book for, uh, then some people might know me from Denmark. Um, I started a goddess school here in 2003 to experiment as a lab, experimenting with feminine power. What is the feminine power and what can it be used for? And one of the things I discovered was that when, pe when people access their feminine power, and at the time I mostly worked with women, they become incredibly creative. And incredibly intuitive and so they started getting so many business ideas that I could hear was so timely that I had to do something about uh, helping them to unfold these ideas into businesses because otherwise we would just have stayed in the in the old-fashioned uh, feminine where we would just sit on the sidelines and you know not participate but sit on the stands and comment everybody else's ideas but I thought no we really have to turn these ideas into innovation so that's why I had to create an entrepreneurial school for women which I uh, called the Millionaire School, which I uh, co-created with a colleague or yeah, somebody I knew from, from that goddess school. And so for many years, I was known in Denmark as a pioneer of the new movement of uh, womenpreneurs, solopreneurs, mompreneurs. Uh, it was very, very on the forefront of that movement. And I would say that my colleague and I we really inspired thousands of women to take, take uh take back the reins of their career and create their own businesses that were in alignment with their own values and be able to uh, work from the heart with the passion and with the sole purpose and make a difference in the world while earning a living. So I've been a mentor for entrepreneurs for many, many years, since the time, that time. 
And then some people might know me from, uh, you know, I also started a global goddess school and an international feminine leadership training. And uh, some people in Europe uh, might know me, or, or some people even from New York might know me from creating a big conference here in Denmark about feminine leadership, inviting Regina Thomasauer from the, the U.S. to come here. It's her only performance outside of New York City or outside of the uh, U.S., and I had 130 women come here from all over. And um, I remember we got a hotel, an extra hotel there from the conference room I had uh, booked because we spread boa feathers everywhere. Because we did big, you know, big portraits of our own years and design with, with glitter and feathers. And, and you were just going wild in that, you know, conference hotel. So I had to cut this huge extra bill it took them so long to clean up after so we had a ball. So some people might know me from then, and then some people might know me from the time, um, the time after 2012, because um, that was a very big shift for me in 2012. Uh, my, I, I am uh, aligned with the, the Maya calendar. The something stopped there and something else started. So for me, it's not before or after Jesus, it's before and after 12. Because what happened for me in uh, in 12 was that uh, actually it started in December uh, 11. Uh, I was at the so-called peak of my so-called career. You know, I don't know what you would call that, but in old-fashioned terms, you would say that. You know, everything was just galloping. I was considered this role model and front runner in Denmark and inspiring lots of people. My books had come out in the other Scandinavian languages and. I was giving talks in corporations about the new leadership and new paradigms. And I was being a mentor for entrepreneurs and teaching them how to have more money and more time, which was very popular amongst mothers. And <clears throat> I was teaching feminine leadership and inspiring women to take the lead and, and, and lead in alignment with their feminine essence. So everything was going very well and had a blossoming business and my three boys at home and my husband and, just like living the life of my dreams. And then suddenly uh, a big shift came in all of a sudden, like after one week of symptoms, my middle son turned out to have uh, cancer. And not only cancer, but a highly aggressive, never before seen worldwide in a child, incurable cancer. And so my life shifted, you know, it's like, I felt like on, you've gone to the theater and, you know, you, you watch uh, what's going on uh, on the stage. And then suddenly, you know, the stage sort of makes like this 180 degree shift. And then the scenery is completely different. And that's what happened to me. It's like, uh, my child was displaying these strange symptoms, you know, just for a little week. And then we take him for a check and nobody can figure out what's going on. And after the fourth check, my husband says, you know, it's Christmas tomorrow. Let's figure out what's going on here. So we took him to the hospital. The child goes into a scanner. And which is scary enough, you know, that little body into this huge scanner. And when he comes out, I can see, I could, there was a female doctor coming towards me. I could just see her in her face that something was terribly wrong. And so it burst out of me, you know, is it serious? And she said, yes. And then he burst out at me, is it cancer? Because that's the most serious I could think of. And she said, yes. And that moment, that stage just completely 
transformed into a completely different world. Me, a child with cancer? I mean, what am I even doing in a hospital? I mean, it was the last thought I ever had. And that, and that particular boy of mine was, you know, uh, was, used to be my last problem because he was such a leader. He was such a, you know, a, a child that he was like a sunshine. He was just like, and very independent and, uh, you know, always uh, good energy and uh, creative and vivid. And everybody loved this little kid, you know, like strawberry blonde freckles and just slightly naughty, but also just really a leader, a leader without a cause, I would say. And so, you know, to have your last problem become your biggest problem, it's just a shut your shop. And so 2012 was like a marathon run and sprint because, because that cancer was highly aggressive. I was I really had to, to, to do everything I could. And this story is very long and I won't bore you with all the details, but I can just say, you know, now that I know that both of us are very much into the yin paradigm and, you know, all the alternative remedies and holistic thinking and all that. So of course I thought this is just a test. You know, after my initial thought, a shock, I thought, oh, oh, I need to show that, I just need to show that if you use the yin paradigm, you can cure this incurable cancer. So I thought, that's just a test. Let me take on that test. Watch me. So that same day, I had like an arsenal of alternative healing remedies brought to my child. Biomedicine, sound healing, crystalline, worldwide meditation with crystals on his, his chest, his, his, his tumor was, was in his chest. Um, homeopathy, um, all kinds of things. A healer that came every single day, and worldwide meditations, as I said. You know, I, I and you know, I even called people. You, have you ever seen that video where Greg Braden? He's, he's he's talking about this method where three doctors are standing around a, a patient and they all visualize the tumor gone. Yes. Of course, I found those people and hired them. Right. Mm. Get going. So, so really, I, 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 uh, I was like uh, unstoppable. I thought this is our opportunity to show that there are alternatives to the Yang paradigm of chemo and operation and so on. So I was really doing, you know, my utmost. And so, and I got the hospital who didn't believe in any of that kind of stuff. So I got them to delay any kind of treatment for 14 days so I could have a chance to show that my remedies would work. And so after 14 days, they scan him again and they find out that the tumor has grown 50%. So, so much for my yin paradigm. And you have to remember, I had been teaching feminine leadership for a decade at that point. I'd been teaching about the power of yin. All my books were about <laughs> the feminine future that I now wrote my latest book about. All my books were about the power of the yin paradigm. So it was like devastating for me. Oh my goddess. It, does, it doesn't really seem to work as of now. But then I thought, okay, maybe this is just, you know, an initial healing crisis, you know, where the symptoms get worse before they get better. So that was not going to stop me. But I had to, I had to also take in the Yang paradigm, the chemo, the da -da 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 -da, all those things. So to make a very long story short, um, I, you know, I take my little kid. After a month, the Danish hospital says, well, we found out now that the, the cancer he has is, is so rare. It's never before we've seen in a child. 
we have no idea where it comes from. We have no idea how to cure it. We, we just know that particular kind of cancer. All we know about it is that it's 100% incurable. So I said, I mean, come on, can't say it's incurable. Give me some percentage. I mean, so they said, he has 0% survival chance. I said, come on, can't say zero. Zero. I said, that can't be true. There must be some way. They said, well, okay. The only way is to go out there in the alternative jungle and find a miracle. And I said, miracles? That's my freaking specialty. Watch me. So I went out in that so-called alternative jungle. And a week later, I had found a miracle. I found a miracle healer. He was out in the Philippines. He was known for his miraculous healings, just like Jesus. I mean, people would line up, you know, on streets to come and see him. I, the miracle was that this guy was on his way to Europe. So a week later from that message, my whole family goes through his healings in uh, Geneva where he was, it was okay. And my son, I, my son got special treatment, royal treatment, and, and you know, got, got to see him every single day. The first day he could, uh, he, he, was, he got pain-free. The second day the color returned in his cheeks. And the third day we looked at each other and we sort of both thought, what are we doing here? Because you're fine. And then after that, my son was jumping around with more energy than anybody else. Just to give you an example of, of, and of course we did a lot of other things, you know, a lot of alternative things. But what happened after particularly that, that session was that all our other things started to really work. And um, this guy said, don't stop the conventional treatment because I don't want responsibility for, for that. So, but just to give you an example, <clears throat> before that treatment, when he had chemo treatment, he, um, you know, the immune system goes completely down. They're very aggressive with kids because kids have such strong bodies. So they really smash chemo into them so that they can really smash the, the, the cancer. But it's a very, very hardcore treatment for, for, for children. So before when he, before that treatment with the, with the Jesus kind of guy, the miracle guy, his immune system would just go like completely to zero. You know, so he could have died from cold. After that treatment, when he, had, when he received chemo, his, uh, his immune system was beyond normal, above normal. Just to say, I mean, the power of energy, that was actually very affirming to, to, to experience. But he didn't, his tumor was still there, so we had to keep finding in terms of remedies. And we did also find like a very innovative method in Austria just also a miracle guy who prayed for his patients six times a day, who carried, you know, he, he always had all these, you know, um, impossible cases and he cured many of them with this, he's he creating like this, this machine, he built a machine like 15 meters underneath the earth where he could do energy, uh, you know, he, he, would, he would shoot the energy from, from the healthy cell onto the energy of the, the sick cell and then the sick cell cannot stand that, that high frequency, so it collapses. So we took that treatment and I, I put all the family through that treatment because I thought if it's our, if it's something with us that made him sick, you know, I, I really took responsibility for all five of us. We just went through all those treatments, all of us. And then, um, then we came back to Denmark and we actually celebrated that he was 
cured. And I mean, it was like Sunday, June 10. And I was looking at the, the, the doctor in, in Austria was so dedicated. He followed us. He took the plane with us to make sure that the child was well. And at that time, my child was very weak because the, 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 the tumor was still alive and active and aggressive. Um, so he had gone more weak from the treatment. But on June, Sunday, June 10, uh, on 2012, I celebrate that we won over this incurable cancer and we found miracle after miracle. And that the yin paradigm actually worked. And then on June 11, he looks a little bit pale, my son. So we take him to the hospital just to check. And um, I remember it was my husband taking uh, him and I finally sit down and to work, you know how it is as a mother, right? You finally get five minutes. So you sit down and work. And, you know, I was just paying these enormous hospital bills every single day for private hospitals. So finally I sit down to sort of try to earn some money to, to be able to pay for all this. And then my husband calls and he says, you have to come. And I'm like, come on, you know, I finally have five minutes. He says, they, they say he has half an hour left. So then I just... I don't know how fly to the hospital and my son is in complete weakness. He's getting a blood transfusion and <clears throat> uh, I'm lucky that he wakes up and sees me and the hospital says, uh, you know, call the family. He's not going to be there tomorrow. And I'm like, come on, he, we just cured him from cancer. We, we just tested him with this amazing uh, equipment that was developed by NASA. You know, we had this we, we had NASA. We had this um, um, biomedicine woman who, who treated him, who could measure there was no cancer cells, there was no trace of cancer in his body. With this with this equipment, she had measured. So it was like, what what's the problem? He doesn't have cancer anymore. And then we called Austrian. We said, what what's going on here? And he said, well, probably when the tumor sort of collapsed, started bleeding into the lungs, and now. His lungs are filling up with blood, so you have to get somebody to, you have to get the hospital to empty his lungs for blood. But here's an interesting thing, and this is why my, this, this story might be, you know, relevant to, to share uh, for many reasons. But one of the reasons is that the traditional Danish hospital system, and I believe this is the same in many places on the, on the earth right now, is so focused on conventional medicine and so I would say also you know very inspired by the pharmaceutical companies and their treatments and the the conventional way of doing things. The, the, the medical industry is a very very big industry and uh, lots of lobbies so everything that is from the alternative yin paradigm sort of doesn't count I mean, they, they, they really don't take it seriously and they say well it hasn't been proven and so we can't take it in so, you know, whenever I came with my son into the hospital and they said, whoa, you can really see he's doing well. And then they really added, but we, whatever, they said to us, whatever you're doing seems to be working, but we don't want to know what it is. So I was like, wow, you don't want to know what it is. You, you don't want to know it so that other parents can, can benefit from this or other patients. But they were not interested. And, and I think this is because the, the medicine industry for so long has been embedded in that old yang paradigm and, and really been, it, it's such a big part of them, you know, everything has to be 
uh, proven and, and, and tested and, and, and that of course has absolute value but, but then sometimes that's not enough and in our case it hadn't been enough but the Danish hospital did not want to believe that we had cured him from cancer so they refused to help with healing these side effects and so on June 12, 2012 I had to witness that my dear little child, seven years old and four months, he couldn't get the help he needed, so he actually drowned. So I lost my precious little boy the day after I thought I had cured him from incurable cancer. And so, as you can imagine, that's such a big shift in so many ways. Um, the shift, of course, as a mother and as a person, you know, am I now the mother of a deceased child? Unbelievable for me. Unbelievable. Would never, ever have entered my mind that this is even possible. I mean, before, I didn't even know that children could get cancer. So, and then my child, my healthy child, brought up on Udo's choice and, you know, still flower. And I mean, how could this happen? And, you know, I even taught him, you know, I taught him remedies like Ho'oponopono. Even before he got ill, he, he would always be teasing me, you know, I think you need to do Ho'oponopono now, mom. You know, when I was yelling at other people in the traffic or something like that. He would always like, so he was a very... Conscious child. I mean, how could a conscious child with all these, you know, brought up on health food and self-help remedies and doing yoga with me, and how could he get cancer? I mean, it was like beyond me. And how could he die from it just after I healed him or he got healed by all these remedies? Such a shock. And I tell this because people might also know me from, I mean, many people in Denmark, I'm sure you know me from this experience because I've talked a lot about it because it has been very transformative for me and something that um, I have learned tremendously from. I always say, tell people that your mentor can only take you as far as that person has been herself or himself, right? So... When he died, there were many people who said to me, yeah, it's interesting what you need to learn from that. You know, you know why did you create that? You know, uh, what, what, what was it that you didn't, couldn't learn in a normal way? And, and, uh, and I think that's, that's a little bit a narrow way of seeing it. But what I can, because it's, I don't feel that it's because I didn't listen closely to, 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 you know, it's not because I didn't pay attention to life before. But what I can say is that I learned something from that experience that I couldn't have learned in any other way. And that's the beauty about life experiences, good and bad, and, and, and everything in between, or what we regard as good and bad, and everything in between, is that it, it, it teaches us something that we can't learn in any other way. And that's what I learned in that, from that experience, that there's something, you know, it, this is a bridge you don't cross voluntarily, but I had to. And when I crossed that bridge, a, a, a different world opened for me. It's very metamorphosis, you know, it's like death and rebirth. 
And so many people might know me from the time after where I have actually really, it's been a very different era for me after that. And um, very big, uh, very big difference from the, the sort of the persona or the, the, the sort of, you could say, from the business, the brand I had before, which was much more Chippy Longstocking, Happy Go Lucky um, style, always, you know, amazed at what we could manifest and create. And, you know, with this encouraging message, you know, go for your dreams. And, you know, I had this um, slogan at the Goddess School, you know, um, realize your dreams with pleasure. Mm. And at the Millionaire School, the, the slogan was, you know, achieve more time and more money at the same time. So it was very like much about, you know, creating this great lifestyle of, of our dreams. And then afterwards, the, the message became quite different. I actually had to diss my old brands. I, I could not have the same message or the same brands anymore. I actually had to start all over and reinvent myself. And it was very different, difficult because I didn't know, I, I just knew the night he died, I knew I was a completely different person. With a completely different message, I didn't still didn't know what the message was. I, I just knew everything has changed now, but I didn't know into what. And I would actually say it has taken me years to. It's like, you know, the stage again, 180 degrees, and then it has taken me years to find out what, what was actually, what what did I, who did I become, and what is my contribution in this new form. And how can I serve in this new form? And serving became like a zillion times more important to me because I don't want my son to have died in vain. It has to matter for me. It has matters, it had mattered to me, but I wanted to serve the world. I wanted to, to have um, some significance that, that can be useful full humanity, nothing more, nothing less. It was so big for me that uh, I want to contribute in such more big manner. So devoting myself to service rather than me having a great life. I mean, I do have a great life and I have a, a fantastic life uh, and, and I never thought I could have that kind of life after this experience, but I had really, really experienced that. Some people might know me from my slogan, why that I, is, I, I didn't invent it myself, but I have lived it which is um, why go down when you can go up, which is something that was said by a Danish seer. And I read it in a book and I thought about that night. Why go down when I can go up? I don't want to go down and take my family with me and all my students and all my, you know, no. I want to go up instead of down. And so that became a very big part of my new message. I do trainings on transforming crisis into quantum leaps. I do leadership training, illuminary leadership. Um, I do future leadership, leap the future. Um, I've written a book called The Future's Feminine, which is coming out in English. Oh, it's, you know, it's a 21 book. Um, another book on illuminary leadership coming out also in English now. So very transformative and very 
big experience and it's taught me a lot that has prepared me, I believe, to serve much better and from a much more profound place um, in the new era. So that was a long answer to your question, who am I? <laughs> Thank you so much for sharing this. I am literally sobbing here. I actually need to just pause this a quick moment and grab some paper for my eyes and my nose and I'll get right back on one moment. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing that. And um, it's so interesting because of course I know what happened and that you lost your son because it's, as you say, a big part of your story and, and you have done extremely well in sharing that during the years that I have, I have known who you are, but I've never heard this angle of it or this depth of it before. And it touches me so much. And, um, and I feel like the share that you just made here, of course, that is, you experienced the biggest fear of every mother's heart. Mm. And, and another layer of of what I experienced through listening to you share now is actually that I feel like you just completely explained and showed a mirror to how I feel I would behave, would that be me? Mm -hmm. And I feel like many spiritual mamas would, would, uh, would go that path, yeah. And so to have that element of actually seeing your life work, your deepest belief, your core truth work in the matter where you are celebrating it and then be deep apologies if I'm, I'm saying these words incorrectly, but then be locked in a system where the absolute last moment of help is not being given and therefore you lose your diamond in this ordinary world of course and the knowing that in the transition and i know you still have deep connection to the soul and but it's a massive loss and sorrow uh, of course no matter what yeah and i'm sitting with this with this very human question inside of myself and that is how did you possibly manage not to go down the path of deepest resentment and anger towards that system, that hospital, that weren't willing to do that thing that you asked at the very end of emptying the lungs, if I understood it correctly? The resentment question, how did you, how did you, work with that can I ask you that yeah of course well um, to use a term from your old bank world I'm sure they have read that book in the bank world <clears throat> I just knew that is a tunnel with no cheese 
I really knew that that, that, that I just knew. And, and first of all, I knew that. I just knew that. You know, the feminine power is to know. You don't need to explain it. You just know. I just knew in my heart that is the path of the most suffering. And I was not, I could not afford more suffering. I had plenty as it was on my plate. So I thought first things first. What is first? I am a mother and I have two other children. At the time they were two and 10. My 10 year old just lost his best friend, which was his brother. You know, from all the pictures we have since my, my middle son was born, they're like a pair, like yours will be, right? You know, A and B, you know, they're always a pair. You see them two, 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 two. So they were a pair. So he just lost the other half. He just lost his best friend. So that was my primary concern. That was, you know, and that as a mother, you don't think so much about, you, you, you know you, you need oxygen yourself, but, you know, there's, you know, you need that because you have a very precious cause that is very important and very urgent, and that is the care for your children. And I specifically, that night my son died was a very transformative night for me because, first of all, I felt like I got this cosmic, you know, with a not very nice word, you know, that F finger from the cosmic. I was like, whoa, I did all the right things. I was arguing with God, I did all the right things. I didn't succumb to my fear. I focused on the vision. I did not dwell in drama. I focused on my vision. You know, even when I got all these horrible messages, I was so, so disciplined at keeping my eyes focused on that half percent chance of survival even that quarter percent chance, I did not allow myself to go, you know, to, to cultivate the fear because I knew that that would, be, uh, that would be the recipe for more fear and, you know, da, 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 da. I, didn't, I could not afford it. I could not afford to waste that quarter of a chance on being fearful. So, of course, I, I felt it in my belly sometimes. I mean, sometimes my, my body would tell me, this is very bad. This is very very serious. You really need a miracle and more than that. So my body would, would know, but I used all my resources at focusing on that quarter percent chance of survival. So I was very, very conscientious. I was very conscious about do not waste that time. So that chance. So I focused on that. So I thought I did all the right thing. I was positive. I was cheerful when my son was talking about, you know, um, you know, what's happening, I feel so weak. And I was like, well, I understand, of course, because you are very ill, but I always lifted him up, always brought a, a, um, a light perspective, you know. But right now we're in the process of sudden so-and-so, and then afterwards we'll have so So I always, you know, I always lifted his spirit and always had him focus. I said, we need to be open, but we are doing everything we can. And... So when he died that night, I felt like I was fooled by the universe. I was like, hello, I did all the right things. And this is what you, this is my reward. I was in shock. And curiously, there was a lot, there was a big piece of the so-called law of attraction and all the, all the universes. 
there was a big piece I had not understood at all. Big, big part of my curriculum that started there. And where, where I can honestly say that I think a lot of the, the sort of, you can say, new paradigm or new age teachers are really, really, you know, I could really sense, oh my God, is there's a lot of, I think that the, the, this, 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 um, this environment has, has, has matured a lot since, but at the time, this is now uh, nine years ago, there was a lot of immaturity in that community and and you know there, there was many teachers who were saying there's nothing you can't be or do or have and you know you can grow new limbs and you can just and and yeah you can if you're meant to do that but but sometimes you're not meant to do that and and so i i really had troubles also with this whole you know culture cultivation of the law of attraction where it was like well you created that yourself, you know, you attracted that. So, you know, what, what were you thinking to attract that, you know, that I had to, uh, to, to deal with, but you, you asked a question and I'll try to stick with the question. So you asked, how could you not, you know, go into resentment? And I knew that that was not the correct path. That was not, that was not the, the place to put my, the, my, the little energy I had left after fighting for so long was not going to be used on that. First things first. So that night I had to get a cosmic F finger and I don't understand anything, but I make a decision, Sarah, and here's the important thing, and I really want the listeners, if they didn't take nothing else away from this talk, the power of a decision. I made a decision to go up instead of down. And I made that decision because I thought it's too early for my other kids to lose faith in a happy ending. Yes. It's too early to lose that faith. It's too early to lose the hope in life. It's too early to, to stop believing that life can, you know, that life can, can have all these beautiful happy endings. So I decided I will go up and sit down and I'll take them with me. So that was my focus and that was my energy. And I had no idea how to do it, but I can really, really witness now, Sarah, and this is my really important message today, the power of a decision. It's, like, it's really true that the universe aligns to, to that. And you, you could say that before I had decided that I would make my son survive, but that life and death is, is God's business. But I could decide how I would go about it. And the same thing here when God had made, you know, and, and my son's karma apparently was different from what I, what I had imagined. And I didn't know that, you know, I didn't know that I, you can't steal other people's karma. You can't steal a person's uh, soul path. No. You, you can't, you know, I, I talked to so many people after he died because I really wanted to understand. Mm. So I interviewed people from, a lot, you know, I called up people from different faiths. None of them said I could have, any influence. And I think the Tibetan lamas who said, you know, you cannot stop a soul who's scheduled to go back. No, exactly. You can't. So that's why I didn't waste my energy on fighting the system. But I will speak openly about it now because now I have gathered some more strength and I will, I will really say, this is the one of the things that needs to change. Yeah. 
We are having this talk in the middle of COVID, right? So why do we not take this opportunity as societies to become hyper aware of how we can strengthen our immune system? How can we strengthen our immune system? How can we become healthier? How can we help each other become healthier? How can we create healthier societies where people can flourish? That would be a very good topic for, you know, that would be a very good opportunity to turn crisis into quantum leap. So, you know, now maybe there is a more maturity in the system to understand that if we only use our yang muscle, we are missing out on our full potential. And we, of course, we will have problems. Of course, we can't heal. Of course, we can't do that and the other. So, I will speak up about it now. <laughs> but I need to gather my strength and use it for what was most important. That makes such good sense. Thank you so much for, for going down that question with me. And, and um, there are several things that, that arrives uh, here with me while, while listening and experiencing you sharing this. And the first thing I, I experience is, you know, that firsthand front row witness of that feminine leadership that I know and you have also shared now that you have been working with so much to step into the motherhood of the two that were still there and be that mother instead of becoming the sorrow with a decision like really 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 powerful things to remember and that that decision no matter what we are facing is always ours to have, no matter what cards life circumstances has handed us. And in the shamanic perspective, which is, is uh, my way of seeing things, shamanic actually just being in our Nordic lands, the ancient will, the wisdom, the woman that knows the seer, and in that world, there is this phrase that's called the rite of passage. The rite of passage is considered to be a very sacred portal that is beyond the, the willpower of a human, so to say. It's beyond our control. And there's two gateways where it is destined to happen. And the one is the birth portal, when a woman goes from maiden to mama deeply changed, deeply transformed. No way of knowing how would that portal be? How would I be and feel afterwards? And the other is the death portal. So the loss that goes so core deep, rite of passage, whatever the soul had to have a shift for, no ability not to be that shift after that out of control does that resonate with you dear yeah and i think that it's um it is definitely i find that there's a lot of uh rise of passages in our lives and and if we honored the more we could get more we could get more aware of all the richness that it brings because uh as yourself, I've experienced, you know, yeah, this transition from 
from a, a woman to mother was a big one. And actually, I, I decided to write a whole book about it because I was so... No, because I was... I, I, I thought, this there's something not right in society. When we look at women who become mothers, we park them somewhere career-wise and you know, in terms of contribution. We were like, oh yeah, seen a few years, right? So we sort of ignore what is happening in those few years. The woman is learning, is speed learning. So many skills that happen to be the exact skills that we need in the new society. And why is no one talking about that? I mean, I have to publish that book in English again because it's, it's really, it's much more timely now. It's, it's from 2000, I, I wrote it in, when my son was born in 2000, when I got pregnant in 2001 and came out in, in Denmark here in four. So it's, it's, it's actually very old, but it's much more timely now. And uh, so that transition, you learn so much from that transition. And now I can say that experiencing death and other, other crises in our lives, every crisis is a rite of passage. And you always get the invitation, will you go up or down? Because if you just follow the natural law of gravity, it's very easy to go down from a crisis, especially if you've had a few. It's very easy. And that's the most obvious way. And if you do, no one will blame you. I remember somebody said to me, you know, uh, she couldn't believe that three months after my, my son had died, I mean, first of all, I, I kept doing my courses, which people didn't understand, but I was like, I do that because, it, 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 because serving is healing. And people got so much, I was, I was sharing very, very abundantly and transparently what I learned. And people say it was really very enriching for them. So I thought as long as it enriches and it serves, then it feels, it feels right to do. But um, <clears throat> yeah, um, learn, I, I really feel that you always get the invitation if you follow the law of gravity and, and people at that time said, if you just check out and start running your business, we understand, why don't you take a break? And I was like, no, my dedication to service just got a thousand times stronger. And my ability to be a mentor just got a thousand times stronger and better. So I will not stop working. I will amp up my service. And this is really what I'm very committed to now. So yeah, all those rites of passages, if we choose to go up instead of down, it's a huge expansion. So with motherhood, for example, a lot of people focus on how it limits your how you can't do this that, and the other anymore and you know that is that is a fact there, there are th certain things you just can't you, you know you have somebody to who depends on you can't just ignore that and the people who tried they, they sort of see later well that was not such a smart idea but if you focus on the expansion you will notice whoa i got so much bigger I can handle so much more. I got so much better at stress handling, at managing chaos, at being creative, at being versatile, at being agile. In the, in, in the companies, they're now talking about, you know, you need, you need to be agile. Well, 
Hello. Have mothers been agile from the beginning of time? Yes or yes? We don't need to learn to be agile. We are freaking agile every single moment of our motherhood. So, no, thank you. We don't need to learn agile leadership because we know exactly what that means. So true. <laughs> so true. And that's very, that's very interesting because I love that you're saying both the up and down and, and everything you have shared. The thing I want to grab of it right now is the thing where you say that motherhood can feel limiting for many and the focus of that can be the shiniest thing ever. Mm. And that is so true. And I have deeply felt that myself. Um, to be very honest, you know, I have Bella that's two and a half years. She will be free in, in like uh, four months. And I have the next on the way that also can come in, in four months or so. And, um, and I really, I, I really, in all honesty, has been in such a growth of the expansion and the limit, the expansion and the limit, the expansion and the limit on a very daily basis of my energy, of my resources, of my capacity to, you know, be, be standing and active, you know, versus laying down and resting, you know, that constant grow, expanding limit, grow, expanding limit. And it's now when Bella is soon to be free where I'm actually feeling, now I feel I have like, I have the hand on the wheel on this in a way. Now I feel like, oh, the household, I found a rhythm that works now. Finally, okay, ah, okay, with all of that thing, that I, I, I found my way of doing that. So it also feels good now. And I feel like the yin and the woman um, heart and mind and spirit of Ansel's point of time can be very good at looking at own mistakes and own failures and own, you know, lack of ability and, oh, I don't have enough energy to do this and, oh, I don't have the skill to be as good as I wish to be. What's wrong with me if I could just be a little better, have a little more energy, a little more arms and legs and so on. But that time, that softness and capacity and willingness to tap into the knowledge of the time we need sometimes in transition to grow and learn what we need to do in that, you know? That for me has been a big part of the motherhood. That's the heart leadership, you could say. And, um, and when that being said, I, I want to be very honest because even though I, I feel like, okay, I'm actually in a very good place in my motherhood right now and household and all of that. This knowing that the next baby comes in a moment scares me a little. Because I'm like, oh, I hope I have the capacity to still have the energy for everything that is. 
being a mother, being a mama to two, being the one co-hosting uh, everything in the house. And when I say that, I mean cooking and cleaning and making the nest beautiful while also working, being, um, you know, a woman in business, having her own, inspiring. So it's the leadership that's in full expansion and on limit. And it feels like it feels like having the ship in kind of stormy, stormy uh, weathers, yeah, where the sun might come up, but in a moment it could be stormy again. So how to navigate that? So I, I really, with that subject having awakened in me, I really adore what you are saying with the choice as well. Because even though only few people have experienced the depth of the sorrow of the rites of passage and the, the loss that you experience there, that wisdom there can be used in every single mother leadership in every house, I feel. Because it's such a wild, wild, wild experience for many of us up until this point of time. Yeah. Yeah, and the good news for you is that uh, mothers used to be pretty alone in that universe of being with children that change every five minutes, right? So now you say, now I found a rhythm. Well, in four months, everything is gonna change. New rhythm. Oh, now I found a rhythm. Well, now your child starts crawling, the young one, and the old one starts, you know, whatever, whatever. So the rhythm, I mean, that is what mothers know after a, a little while. They know, oh, I just found a rhythm, and dang, everything changes. But here's the good news. From now on, you will not be alone in that, because all of society is going to experience exactly the same thing. We're not returning to the industrial age where everything is aligned in, you know, in rhythms with, where we save as much time as possible and we produce as much as possible in the shortest time, that those sets of rules are, are obsolete. We are entering a new game with a new, completely new set of rules. And uh, one of the new rules is that we just have to get used to change as a, uh, you know, we have to actually have to get what Einstein and others have been telling us all along. Change is the only constant in the universe. And the way we get it faster now is because time, is because change, the, the, um, the pace of change has accelerated and it's accelerating exponentially from here. So from now on, mothers are not in, the, in, in that boat alone. They will be the leaders because they know, they know how to navigate those waters because they're forced to every single day. So, so if, that can be like, um, if that can be an encouraging piece of news for you, is that because in the industrial age, people, uh, women felt that they were parked in a corner when they, when they had children and the rest of society was like a train just racing by. And you were lucky if you got back on the train at some point. 
or you could try to get on the train while holding a stroller and you know breastfeeding someone. Just really very difficult situation. Well said. <laughs> Such a good point. Yeah. Such a good point. And I, I feel like that's a great reminder both for me and, and uh, maybe many of the women listening. Hmm. And that adaptive hmm. energy. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's, it's just going to be uh, great for mothers to experience that the new career is no longer a ladder. It's more like a chess, chess, chess board. So then you, you know, you, then you, you know, you can actually, I actually would, would say this, a mother like yourself who takes her time to be a mother in the first few years of her children's life has no idea what a precious gift she's giving not only to herself and her children, but to society as a whole. For me, that is starting to be true feminine leadership. Taking the time to do what's most important, not for the short run, for the long run. That investment in presence with your children, presence, heart, soul with your children will never come negatively back. It will always only throw off dividend after dividend after dividend. So why do we as society race ahead? Why do we have norms that tell mothers to leave their children two weeks after birth to go work for some corporation to get more, earn more money from some anonymous uh, shareholders? It makes no sense at all. And fortunately, we're seeing that women are increasingly saying, no, thank you. I cannot get myself motivated for that task. So feel free, if you are guys who want to do that, go ahead. I'm going to invent my own business, just like you did yourself, where I do something meaningful that is in alignment with my feminine essence. Or I'm simply going to live very simply so I don't have to earn so much money because that is so important for me to be with my children. And I would say I'm sure that many from the new generation will choose to live like that because they have looked at us, especially Generation X, and thought, okay, that was, that was, really, that was really a great gain you got there <laughs> from, from your so-called liberation. What did you get out of your so-called liberation, 68 liberation? you got imprisoned, locked into a, a paradigm of having to work more, earn more, like a, a hamster wheel of out, outwards looking success that didn't feel like success on the inside. And they're going to turn that upside down. And you're one of the pioneers of that generation. And your children, hello, they're not even going to have this conversation. They will think it's very cute that we had it. <laughs> Feel that it's very, very no, true. I mean, they, they are like, what were you even thinking of that kind of thing? Yeah, so spot on, and I, I deeply, deeply agree. And that has actually been been um, the reason why I really wish to have the whole motherhood and the whole family chapter in Bali, which did not end up happening though. Up until this point of time, we can still navigate. Let's hope it, it does at a point, if for the highest life. But, but it's that time uh, field 
And the time field for me, it's very interesting because I'm realizing while we're talking here that I was home with Bella until she was one and a half. When we finally said, okay, okay, we'll find like daycare to her, it was because it was so clear that it was my need that I had a child that was like home because I had the most social extroverted child that just loved to be with people and that needed much more activity than what we could give. And she has loved that uh, daycare so much. And she manifested like a yoga place, singing ball place, straight from the government. Uh, it wasn't even like a private thing. And it was the opposite of what we were looking for. It just turned out to be this brilliant solution. But now, now because of the whole uh, lockdown element and, and the restriction and, and all of that, the energy of, I feel many, many places, even though they have been extraordinary, some of them, is just gone, yeah? Because people are tired. The, the, the daycare uh, people, they, they're tired. They are out in the cold all day. It's smaller, smaller teams and so. So now she's actually really starting to be like, mom, I don't want to go. And we've chosen to listen to that. Like, like, we are not delivering a crying angel at all. It's like, okay, then we go home again. And I'm very, very, very grateful to, to have been able to only put her in for like a few hours a day. And also in this time, you know, just be, okay, then we navigate the meeting we have and we navigate the, the daily schedules to the evening schedules when she's talked in and all of that. And that navigation skill, I feel like is such a precious resource also that we weren't gifted in the old paradigm in that structure, but that everyone is suddenly gifted now because no one is in that square mm. box anymore because people have to work from home in these chapters. Uh, from their work, even though, you know, if they are uh, entrepreneurs or not, it's like it's homebound now. And that gives kind of a flex flexibility, at least to shifting from day to evening. And then it's a matter of, do we thrive on that? Who is that a match to, to the essence of who I am and all of that? And one thing that I'm, I'm really thinking a lot about uh, when it comes to motherhood and the leadership of that, um, in my own home it's that ability to actually remember that we are all super different also in the family we all have super different needs and that the leadership here is also to make sure that all needs are taken care of in a way so mama's needs are not completely on you know <laughs> because that bill that comes afterwards is it's the tiredness you know where it's like oh where is the energy because all life force energy has just left the building so that massive navigation skill of the feminine leadership is there any school that can learn us that as motherhood mm, yeah to navigate with uh 
you're asking if there's any school like motherhood that can teach us yeah. Yeah. and i don't have the answer but it but it's a question in my mind you know mm. uh, like whoa what a growth yeah yeah and and you could say that there's something that's on the women's own shoulders and i think it, it helps a lot for women themselves if they think of themselves as leaders mm. And especially now, because the feminine leadership is so freaking needed. And, and here I really, you know, really get agitated because feminine leadership has gone from nice to have to urgently need to have now from everybody on the planet, even the men or even the binary people. It is imperative that we all start using our feminine side because it's the only thing that's going to save this planet. We are in such imbalance that we absolutely need to really vote on the feminine by all means and in all our actions and deeds and so on. We really need to press the feminine speeder now in order to bring the world back into balance. So, so that all the, 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 all the skills that, that are also built into men, men have just as just as much feminine energy. I mean, they have a lot of access to it. It's not that it's for women only, but we really need to use it now. It's not enough to talk about it or to, to, to think about it as something that, that is for the home situation or reserved to parenthood is absolutely needed in every single deed in, in, in the society. So I would, so there's a lot of things that women can do themselves. They can think of themselves as leaders in small and big tasks. I'm a leader of myself, I'm a leader of my child, I'm a leader in my family, I'm a leader in my relationship, I'm a leader in society, I'm a leader in my business if I have a business. But my vote, my everyday vote, my every thought, my every feeling, my every action is leadership and contributing to the whole. So what I choose to think or feel or act is all ship, is all contributing to the big C of, of the whole. So I must take, you know, and, and sometimes if I can't take, if I can't do it for me, I can do it for the, I can do it for my children. So I can ship and just like I, you know, when my son died, I was like, okay, I have to go up instead of down because I have responsibility to my other children to show them the upward movement, to go up in, in you know, to seek the light instead of dwelling in the darkness. I have responsibility, you know, they look to me as, as, as a role model, as, as, as somebody who, who knows how to live life. I must show them, look for the light, seek the light. And the same thing as mothers, even if it's, if we're tired and this, that, the other, well, allow yourself, surrender. Surrender is a beautiful quality too. And allow yourself to ask for help. Allow yourself to expect that someone will also mother the mother. And if the father, if the husband doesn't have this idea himself, he can be invited gently to remember. Right? Your, your podcast is called Remembering, right? Well, it's a good, good, little, good little piece to play for the men. <laughs> Remembering also to mother the mother. Because you get so much more when you do that. A man who understands that if he gives to the feminine, mm. if he supports the feminine, if he nourishes the feminine, he's going to get 
tenfold back. If he understands it, he has to, of course, remember he can only do it from his masculine. If he starts doing it from feminine, you know, it's get it's get wobbly. But from a straight spine, and you know, uh, uh, this this masculine energy, if he supports and protects and nourishes the feminine, he's going to get so much more back. So it's a very good investment for a man. And I would really like to see us stand for that as women and as progressive men, so that we can create a society where that is normal, where it's normal. And I'm not only talking about Nordic countries because we are so blessed in the Nordic countries. It's not perfect societies, but we're very advanced compared to many other places on the planet. But I'm really speaking on behalf of the whole because we have so many places on the universe, in the universe and on, the, in, on this planet where motherhood is not really, uh, it's not really regarded as so sacred that you really need to take care of it. You need to take care of the circumstances for a mother. You need to give the mother good circumstances to be a good mother because society will save so much money and so much trouble afterwards. If you give the mother good conditions to raise healthy citizens, trauma as trauma-free as possible, or at least with the ability to heal their own traumas, we might as well, it's a much better investment. So we as leaders must demand that from now on. No more accepting societies that do not, uh, that do not nourish the mother and, 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 uh, and, and, and the children. Hello, hello. That is so true. Oh, I love the way you say things, you speak things. It comes from a very, very strong energy. You know, this might actually be the podcast and video uh, we have done in this where I am saying the least. And I'm a talker, you know, I'm a communicator. I'm just listening with such an awe of you. <laughs> and I am experiencing it. I am like fully in it. That's a shamanic uh, energy to, to bring the field into it. The last thing I really want to wanna know a little more about is, so you say that your book is coming out in English and it's like a new version of it and it's called The Feminine is... The Future is Feminine. The Future is Feminine, yes. Would you mind sharing a little of that? I would love to. It's my favorite topic. <laughs> <laughs> that and leadership. Uh, that and you know, leadership. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's my... It's, it's, I think I'm going to be speaking about that for the next 10 years because I think these, this, this decade that we have just entered, we're having this podcast in the, in the beginning of 21 and uh, this, this coming 10 years are so crucial for our, develop, uh, our evolution as humanity. And... Um, Many people ask me, so what do you mean the future is feminine? What do you mean? Is, is it, does that mean that we don't need the masculine anymore? And that's not what I mean. But I mean that <clears throat> we come from an era that has been very dominated by the masculine. More particularly patriarchy, where, where you know, it's, it's a certain organization of you know, a certain hierarchy where you would got, you know, it's like, it comes actually from many, many years ago and it's, it has lived its time. 
it's no longer relevant to organize society around a patriarch who is uh, dictating the rules for all the other people. And it, it, it is, it's old fashioned, it's obsolete. We have shifted, it's a new era. And in the new era, there's a different set of rules. And what we are heading towards is of course, unity, oneness. That's, that's, the, that's where we're heading. But we are not there yet. And in order for us to get there, to get from patriarchy to unity and oneness, we need, an, we need a phase where we really, really unfold and, and uh, emphasize the feminine. Because right now we are operating from um, sort of a, an incomplete way of using our resources. So we know a lot about the distorted masculine, the old-fashioned masculine and the distorted feminine, the old-fashioned feminine, which was the weak, the passive, and then the old-fashioned masculine was the dominating, the tyrant, the ruler. So we know a lot about that. We've been there, done that. And now we're in a phase where we're experimenting, you know, the young ones are experimenting a lot with gender and figuring out, oh, okay, the masculine is not just for men, the feminine is not just for women. Thank goddess, we all have access to all those resources. And we're also figuring out that we can, you know, we can practice conscious leadership. Sometimes, you know, we can be in our body like it is, and then we can grab the the energies that we need. So sometimes we need masculine energy, sometimes we need feminine energy. So we're, we're learning that now. But still, the feminine, as you know, you work with the feminine mystique. So you know that the feminine is hidden. We can just look at the genitals, right? It's, 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 it's mystical. It's, it's, it's what is happening with, it? what is the feminine? You know, we, we can see the sort of the tip of the ice, but we can't see the whole and we don't really understand what it is because it's invisible. It's working with the invisible. So we need a time, a period of time where we, where we, where we discover what is the feminine in order for us to be able to reuse those resources. And not only what is the feminine, but what is the healthy feminine? And how do we, how do we use the healthy feminine to, uh, to, to transform the masculine so it becomes a healthy masculine? And then those two energies can dance together and form a union, a healthy union. So there's a learning time, there's a transition time where we need to, to understand this. And that's what my new book is about. And that's what my work is about. That's what, you know, my leadership training, I, I, I help people unfold that in themselves because most people come from many years. I mean, at least now, you know, many of the leaders I work with, they come from years of training how to flex the masculine muscle. You know, when women enter the workforce, the first thing they learn on the first day is that it would have been better if you would have been a man, man, but now that you're not, at least learned how to behave like a man. Because that's the only way you can have success in corporate life or as an entrepreneur. Learn to think like a man, learn to feel like a man or not feel. Better if you don't feel anything because then, you know, it's just distraction. It's distracting with feelings. So if you could just think, focus, act, press on the action speeder, uh, you know, the speeder and just uh, go for your goals, that would be the best. And then if you have feelings and all that's fine, you can do that in your free time with your family. You know, so that's fine. Just, just, don't, just, don't, just don't talk about it at work, please. Because we have more important things to do because we're here to earn money and we're here to, to grow and make growth, you know, uh, 
so and so much growth for the next quarter. So zip it about your feelings, about an intuition, please. We only work with tangible things here. We only work in a realistic manner. So intuition, that is for your weekend courses. Don't bring that to work. That's how the paradigm has been until now. So women have learned, oh my God, I better shut down you know, my body. Uh, you know, don't talk about my hormonal system. Uh, I have to hide if I'm pregnant uh, and, uh, you know, just act like a man. So that's, so the women I get into my leadership training, they need to, to relearn, hey, hello, psst. you're a woman and your biggest key to success, especially in the new era now that the rules of the game have changed, is actually your feminine strength, your feminine powers. So no more suppressing them. No more, uh, no more limiting yourself. Fo unfold it. You need to, to unfold it. So, so that's what's happening with the women and the men. I'm getting more and more men also who are exhausted from trying to be macho men and displaying, uh, displaying traits that they don't really feel aligned with, that are not in line with their values. You have a modern man, I'm sure. It was, it was nothing that he's not going to sacrifice his heart on the altar of his career. It doesn't really feel right anymore. But men also need, you know, to unlearn the norms that they come from and learn, you know, to use all of themselves. Yes, you can be a man and use your heart. It's okay. It's actually preferable, strongly preferable, because then you stop damaging the planet and start healing the planet. So please bring your heart to work. Please bring your intuition, because if you don't, you cannot navigate in such a fast-paced world. You cannot, you cannot, uh, you cannot, you cannot see clearly in an information overloaded, overloaded society. So you have to learn to use your intuition so you can navigate and so on. So we need some some, some training uh, and, and relearning, and that's why we need an era that is where there's more emphasis on the feminine until we get it so that we can use both of our muscles in an equal manner and, and have them upgraded to the newest version. So that's why the future is feminine, it's the immediate future and it's not, and the future is not only feminine. We need to, 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 to learn how to dance between the masculine and the feminine, but because we come from such feminine, uh, masculine overdrive, we need some emphasis on the feminine so that we can uh, get into this, this balanced world so i'm very i'm very i feel very blessed to be part of this movement that you're also part of you know you don't talk about it in the same way but you're also your work is also about this and i'm sure that many of our listeners in one way or the other are also part of this movement and it's a blessing to be alive at this time and to get to contribute to this and and i i, I find myself i i probably am one of the messengers of this if you you know, if many people say when they read my book that, oh, something clicks. It's like all these concepts and, you know, all these, what is it, the change from the older to the new era and what is the masculine, what is the feminine and what is men, what is women, you know, all these like the egg and the hen, the and the, all these, uh, this mess. They say I tidy up in this mess and make it very clear and very, very uh, simple and usable. Yes. Yes, I believe that. I haven't, I haven't read any of your books, actually, but I deeply believe that because I can hear it in the way you say things. 
it's like you are out there. Boop, 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 boop. Yeah. That's very, it's, it's very uh, delicious to listen to. <laughs> to be Thanks so much. You can have delicious. <laughs> yes. And I deeply hope that your book will come in audio form as well. So that me as a mama and all the other mamas where the hands tend to be a little occupied, right? Can listen to it while we uh, are being in the mother leadership. <laughs> so if that's not on, on the board, that's a wish uh, from my end. Yeah, I, I would absolutely love to uh, create that in audio fans. Well, I also have, you know, uh, I have my own podcast about leadership and considering making one about the future spending because it's so, so dear to my heart. But, you know, I also do a lot of, uh, as you, you know, online media. And, you know, I actually have a free series called The Future Feminine people can get a zest of it which is also video so you can listen to that while you're breastfeeding all, all kinds of other things you need to use all the means we have to remind each other to bathe each other in this in this message and it's really the time for the for women has come so it's really about stepping on it now and i'm talking about all women on all, all the planet you know even those uh, in the third world countries they have made a huge difference for the rest of us by showing their strengths i mean they're such role models they have such stamina. I mean, my goddess, these these women, I mean, like, they should have a Nobel Prize every single day. They are so freaking strong and just, like, up against war and famine and, you know, they create their own business. I mean, I'm in awe. They are so amazing and really, really showing us, whoa, what's possible. So everybody counts. That's so true. That's so true. Thank you so much for your voice and your wisdom and your heart and the way you share things your words are medicine like equally and i was reminded of of many things during our conversation here and i hope that those of you listening those of you watching no matter what portal you are choosing to tune into that you got exactly with you home as meant for today I enjoyed so much talking to you, Angel. <laughs> I cannot wait to listen to your book. And um, yes, I'll make sure to, to get the right links for the things you have shared here so that it's easy to find under the podcast, under the video afterwards. Thank you so much. It was such an honor to be and Thank you so much for giving me this opportunity to uh, share what's close to my heart with your listeners and viewers blessed thank you so much and doing it even while you're pregnant and having a two and a half year old so you know you're doing an amazing job and i really you know honor you for that so thank you so much thank you my pleasure <laughs> <laughs> bye everyone yeah thank you so much <laughs>